Good morning, everyone. My name is Madeline, and I have the joy of reading from God's Word this morning. Our first reading is Psalm chapter 103, verses 8 to 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Our second reading is over to the book of Ephesians, which is chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Um, All right, Nelson Mandela and Mother Teresa, um, two names that you're probably, probably familiar with. They're both Nobel Peace Prize winners. Nelson Mandela uh, was an anti-apartheid activist in South Africa, spent 27 years in prison, eventually became the first black head of state over there. Uh, Mother Teresa dedicated her life to serving uh, people who were sick and who were in poverty in India. Um, two, two extraordinary people, no, no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, as much as I might admire their character and, and all of their achievements in life, I might equally ask... So what? So what? You know, great for lots of people in India and and South Africa, but to be honest, I can't see any practical difference that either of them has made to my life. And perhaps you're here this morning and you feel a similar way about God. Um, You know, maybe God's loving, maybe he's not, um, but even if he is loving, so what? So what? My grandma is loving, but, but, but most people don't care because it doesn't affect them too much. Um, you know, interest rates are high, tax returns are overdue, we have to, have to work out who's coming around for Christmas and what we're cooking for them. Um, you know, it's great that God is loving, but why should I care? 
Uh, well, over the last three weeks, uh, as, a, as a network of churches, we've um, surveyed friends, family, neighbours, we, we've asked them, what do you think God is like? And we've gone through the top four answers that have come out of that. Uh, so over the last three, three weeks, we, we, we've covered, you know, is there a God? Is there even such a thing as a God? Um, and if there is, which one? Which, out of all the hundreds of thousands of gods that have been worshipped, um, which one is the right one? And if it is the one that the Bible talks about, how do we actually know that he's loving when, when lots, of, lots of bad things happen in the world? And today we're asking, okay, if he is loving, so what? What difference does that make in my life? Uh, and the first point to make in, in answering that is that God isn't just loving. God is love. Uh, so John, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, uh, wrote a book called One John, where he made he makes a couple of pretty big claims uh, about who Jesus is, uh, sorry, about who God is. Firstly, he says, love comes from God. And secondly, he says, God is love. Um, we're going to start with that second one, God is love. So what it means is that, is that God is completely motivated, completely defined by love. Everything about him, his, his justice, his mercy, his compassion, it, it all flows out of God being loving. Uh, and that's the, the consistent picture that we kind of get right throughout the Bible. So the, the psalm that we read just earlier, we read that the Lord is gracious and compassion, is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Now, I find this staggering because I know that I'm not like that. I know that I'm not like that at all. I I know how hard I can find it to love people. I know how selfish I can be. I I know that even when I do things that look loving on the outside, there's always lots of really selfish motives at the root of that. Uh, So God is loving in a way that I'm simply not. Now, you might be here this morning, I don't know everyone's story here, you might be here wondering, actually, I'm not even sure if God is loving. I look around at the world, I see the things that are going on in the world, I see the things that have happened in my life, and it's really hard to believe in a loving God. Uh, well, I think a couple of weeks ago, Michael Steamson, whose photo was up there, might have preached um, on the topic of, is, is God caring? Like, how do we know God is caring. So that might be worth going online and having a, having a bit of a listen to that if you missed it, and that would, that would be one to help think through this, this question of, you know, is God even loving? Um, but for this morning, though, God is love, and love comes from God. So we think about who we are and, and, and how we live, and we realize that love is central to, to who we are and how we exist. We love and we need love as well. Um, love is precious. It's, it's worth fighting for. It's powerful. I reckon I can probably count on one hand the number of movies I've seen that don't have some sort of love story running right through the middle of the plot. Uh, when we see children, spouses, or, or parents, or, or anyone who's being deprived of love, we, we have this strong sense of how, how wrong that is. Uh, and John is saying here, this... This love that is right at the heart of who we are, it comes from God. He, we love and and we need love because God has created us in this way. He's created us to be in a a perfect 
loving relationship with himself. And, and so he's hardwired us to love and to be loved um, so that we, we flourish when we love him and we love other people. Uh, so God's love, it, it not only shows us who he is, it shows us who we are. It shows us why we exist. It shows us why we love. Um, but the Bible has confronting news for us on top of that. Um, God might be loving, but, but we, on the other hand, are unlovable. So if, if love comes from God, and if God is love, then true love is, is all about him. It it's, must be all about God. But, but right throughout the Bible and, and all the way up to today, humans have tried to, to redefine love without God. We've, we've taken this gift of love which God has given us to be the foundation of the relationship between him and, and with each other, and we've said, all right, thanks, God. We'll take it from here. Uh, and this is what the Bible calls sin, where, where we've put ourselves at the centre of the universe instead of God. And, and, and deep in our hearts, we've replaced love for God with love for other things. It's a, it's a corrupt, it's a disordered kind of love. Now, we're made to love, and at our best, we're still capable of acting in a, a genuinely loving way towards one another. We, we have wonderful examples of human love uh, that we see in the world around us, we experience in our own lives as well. But when we, when we take love and we, and we cut it off from the true source of love, which is God, then, then what we're doing is we're making ourselves the source of love. We're making ourselves the standard of love, uh, which means that even our most loving instincts are going to be blurred with the self-interest that, that we all have. And sometimes that self-interest just overpowers everything else and we love the wrong things. Uh, so when, I reckon when you, when you boil down all of the hurts, all of the injustices of the world, what you find is people who are consumed with love for the wrong things, uh, whether that's sex, money, power, validation, popularity, just so consumed with love for these things that it, that it squeezes out love for people. Uh, thinking back to the last month or so as we've been doing this big question series, I reckon that the, the two big news stories that, that we've had in that time have been, uh, firstly, the horrific situation going on in the Middle East at the moment, but then also the, the voice to parliament, which was sort of coming to a head as we started the series, the referendum. Um, now, the, the scenes that are coming out of Israel and Gaza are just horrific. It, it's, um, it's just some of the most unloving things you can imagine, just, just pure pure hatred that, that we're seeing on our TV screens. Um, and even with the voice, now this is regardless regardless of the outcome, regardless of which way you voted, this is this is more just how it how it played out on the ground. Um, could we honestly say that, that that discussion, that referendum played out in a loving and constructive way? I, I know that as I was on social media and talking to people about it, it seemed to divide us way more than it brought us together. Um, that's all to say that, that as, a, as a country and as a world, as a, as a humanity, we're really not nailing love at all. And the Bible's reason for this is that humanity has looked the God of love in the eye 
and we've told him, we want love, but we don't want you. And surely, rejecting the God of love is the most unloving thing we could ever do. Um, we, we can't possibly think of ourselves as being loving if we, if we do lots of, even if we do lots of things that seem that way outwardly, if, if we've ignored God in the process, if we've ignored the God who is love. Jesus once was, was teaching about sin and, and what, it, what it is, and, and he did it once by telling a story about a son who wanted his father's money, but he didn't want anything to do with his father. Um, so he said to him one day, Dad, I want your money, but I don't want you. I want you to give me your inheritance right now. He took, he took his share of the inheritance and he left, left home, travelled far away. Um, so in other words, he was saying to his father, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. I, I, want, the fit, I want the good things that you offer, but I don't want anything to do with you. It's a really painful illustration of what happens when we want love, that we don't want God. And it shows us how unlovable we are. Uh, but it gets worse as well, because, because of sin, the Bible tells us we're not just unlovable, we're dead. Uh, we, read, we heard in our Ephesians reading just earlier we, that um, humans, we are dead in our transgressions, and sin. Sin has left us spiritually dead, cut off from the God of love and life. And we're, we're by nature deserving of wrath, deserving to face God's anger. Uh, and because God is perfectly loving, he's also perfectly just as well. Now, if you've ever suffered a, a, a significant injustice in your life, you, you will know that turning a blind eye to injustice isn't loving. And so if we've rejected the God of love, it's only right that we face his justice in turn. So that's the situation that we face. We're, we're dead and we're deserving of wrath. Which brings us back to the big question, so what if God is loving? So what if God is loving? Well, right now, this very second, I could not care less if anyone in this room knows first aid. If you do, great, good for you, well done for putting the time in, but I'm healthy, I don't need it, not relevant for me right now. But if I was choking, or if, if, if I was up here struggling to breathe, uh, it would be very important to me that at least one person in here knew first aid, because it could well be the difference between life and death for me. And in the same way, God's love becomes important when we see how much we need it when we recognise that our life depends on it. Uh, so what happens when a loving God encounters unlovable people? What happens is we, we see that God's love is both life-giving and life-changing. Life-giving and life-changing. In Jesus, we, we see how God's love overcomes our unlovable nature. Uh, so we read in Ephesians that we were dead in our sins, we were deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, when we were dead in our sins. So Jesus made a way for us to be alive even when we were dead. 
And he did that by dying for us, by taking our punishment. So God himself was, was bearing the weight of our sin so that we don't have to. He made a way to punish sin, but to spare us. A perfectly just, perfectly loving solution to the problem. And Jesus not only died, he was raised back to life as well, so that we can have the hope of true life to come. Uh, We read in Ephesians chapter 2, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So we, we were dead in our sins. We were hopeless. We were doomed for eternity. But through Jesus, God made a way for us to live. Uh, the writer of the psalm that we read describes God's love for us in this way. He will not accuse, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Sort of doing this, I've lost my sense of direction, I don't know which way east or west is, but you, you know what I'm saying. If our trust is in Jesus, it's as if God has taken all of our guilt, all of our shame, and he's banished it to the other side of the universe. We'll never have to answer to him for it. We're no longer unlovable. Now, you might be wondering, that's all very well, but why did God allow sin in the first place? Why did he let us love ourselves and love other things more than we love him? Wouldn't it have just been easier if he didn't let that happen? Well, the Bible doesn't give us an exact answer for that question. Perhaps, though, perhaps us choosing to love without God meant that he could show his love and his mercy in a way that he wouldn't have been able to otherwise. God's mercy and his grace shows us the the depth of his love from a whole new angle. In the same way that in a a friendship or, or in a marriage, you see a person's true character when they forgive and love someone who's hurt them. Um, so God's love is life-giving and it's life-changing as well. We, we have the future hope of heaven because of his love. Um, but even right now as well, his love gives us assurance, it gives us identity, it gives us direction as well. So when we look at the cross where Jesus died, when we see Jesus up there dying for our sins, we see not just how unlovable we are that he had to die, but how loved we are that he chose to die. And in the the ups and the downs of life, we can have that assurance that we are truly loved. Nothing in my life happens outside of the control of the God who loved me so much that he sent his own son to rescue me from death and bring me to life. This God who I can call Father. Because Jesus didn't just die to rescue us, he died to purchase us a new identity as God's children. Uh, Just before our Ephesians reading, um, in chapter 1, we're we're told that in love, God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, our, our identity is what gives us significance. Uh, it's who I see myself to be. It's, it, it's who I want other people around me to see me to be as well. And, and, and we might seek that identity in all sorts of different places. Our, our work, our achievements, our gender, our relationships, uh, whatever it is. And the pursuit and the maintenance of this sort of identity can be, can be crippling, trying to, trying to be this person for the world to see. But Jesus offers us an identity that we could never earn, an identity that we could never beat. Children of God. Who else would I want to be when I could be a child of God? And it's in Jesus himself that we see God's love in human form, in his perfect life, his saving death and resurrection. Uh, the idea of a loving God might be a little bit invisible and abstract, hence why it ended up being one of the questions in this series. Like The idea of a loving God is a bit hard to, to, to picture and imagine. But in Jesus, we see both God's power, but also his perfect, compassionate and loving character lived out in humanity, lived out in a real human life. Uh, so my encouragement would be if you're... If this whole question of a loving God is a bit, you know, a bit up in the air for you, you're not quite sure about it, why not pick up one of the one of the gospels of Jesus, the biographies of his life that we get in the Bible, and have a read of how God's love played out in human form in Jesus' life. Uh, there's also the life series that Luke mentioned just earlier, which is kicking off tomorrow night. Uh, that's at the it's four Monday nights at the Highbury Hotel, really relaxed. Environment for anyone who wants to explore who Jesus is and whether whether he's worth believing in and whether life is better with Jesus, what the difference is that he makes for our lives. It's a great chance to come along, bring your questions, and and to explore them a bit further. God's love is life changing, not not just because of the assurance and the identity and the security that it brings, but but also because it demands a response as well. God's love demands a response. And the last couple of verses that we read from Ephesians really capture the balance between God's love for us and our love for him, how, how that, our love for him plays out as well. Uh, we're told, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're saved by God's grace to us in Jesus. Not not because of what we do. We're not saved by doing good works. But we're saved to do good works. In his love, God has rescued us and called us into a life of loving him and being loved by him. And if we haven't grasped, we haven't grasped this love for us, his love for us, if it doesn't transform our lives from the inside out, if it doesn't drive us to, to love him and to love the people around us. God is loving, but so what? Well, I reckon for the first 19 years of my life, that was probably my attitude. I have to work out how to press backwards on that slide. Yep, there we go. 
Um, for the first 19 of year, years of my life, that was, that was my attitude. You know, God's loving, but so what? I grew up believing that there probably was a God. Um, he probably was loving, but it really didn't make any difference in my life at all. Um, and there are a couple of reasons for that, I think. Firstly, I knew that I wasn't good enough for God. Not even close. I, I knew that there was no way my life could ever be what a perfect God would want it to look like. And so even though God was meant to be loving it, it, it felt like he just sent me this impossible task and he was just sitting up in heaven waiting to watch me fail. It's a bit like when you're driving along and there's a police car behind you and you just you think he's just waiting for me to creep over the speed limit and he's going he's gonna to get me. Um, the other reason was that even though, even if God was loving, I just couldn't see how that would make my life better. I couldn't see how that would help me with all the, all the longings and all the, and the kind of life that I wanted to live. And what changed both of those things for me was when I finally grasped that it wasn't up to me to make myself right with God. It wasn't up to me. Jesus on the cross had done what was needed. And as I grasped that, I finally saw the depth of God's love for me. I realized that nobody was ever going to love me that much. I realized that a life built on his love was going to be way more satisfying than any of the other things that I was chasing in life. Uh, And so if you're here this morning and if you're not quite sure about um, why God's love matters, then my hope and prayer is that you come to that point as well. Seeing how life-giving and how life-changing his love is. So what if God is loving? That's been our question this morning. So what if God is loving? Well, God's love is the difference between life and death. It gives us a future hope, but it gives us a present identity as well. It sets the blueprint for how we live in response to who God is. Loving God, loving people, just the way that we were made to live and how one day we'll live perfectly forever. Let's pray. Our loving and merciful God, we praise you for your compassion, for your grace and for your abounding love that we see so clearly in Jesus. Thank you that you loved us when we were unlovable. Thank you that though we were dead in our sins, Jesus died to deal with our guilt, to bring us life, to give us a new identity as your dearly loved children. Help us to grasp the depth of your love more clearly each day. Help us to see why it matters and help us to live each day in light of it. Amen.